0: Merry Christmas, everybody, and welcome to River Glen. Thank you so much for making River Glen part of your Christmas celebration, whether you're here in Waukesha, on the other side of the camera, in Pewaukee, or online, wherever your location. So good. Thank you so much for uh, joining us uh, today. This time of the year, you hear a lot of Christmas music, and there's a lot of great uh, Christmas songs out there. But you know what? There are some Christmas songs that are strange and weird, like this one right here. Uh, Grandma got run over by a reindeer walking home from our house Christmas Eve. And the song goes on to explain that uh, Grandma drank too much eggnog, got off her uh, medications, and stumbled out. Uh, Isn't that kind of dark for a Christmas song? (laughs) I think that's a little bit dark. Or this next one, it's the most wonderful time of the year. There will be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling in the snow. There will be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long ago. How did scary ghost stories get in a Christmas song? I didn't, I didn't even know that was there. Somebody showed that to me earlier this week. And then uh, Santa Baby, I want a yacht. And really that's not a lot. Been an angel all year. We're going to sing this song together later on <laughs> in our uh, service. I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. But I think a yacht, I think that's a little bit extravagant. There's some strange and weird Christmas songs, but then there are some great, powerful Christmas uh, songs. And today I want to share with you a few lines from one of the uh, greatest, most popular Christmas carols called O Holy Night. O Holy Night tells a story of the birth of of Jesus based on Luke chapter 2 in beautiful poetic uh, language from the perspective of the shepherds on that first Christmas. Later on, we're going to light some candles, and we're actually going to sing this song together. It's going to be really beautiful. There's a great line in O Holy Night, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. This word weary got my attention. I looked at it more closely. I looked up the definition. Weary means more than just tired. Weary is a resistance to experiencing more of something. It's saying, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can do anymore. I've had enough. I can't take it much longer. And I think that describes how many of us feel this Christmas. Weary of the pandemic. Weary of violence. Weary of politics and fighting. Weary of the mental health epidemic, weary of stress, and things just not going our way. When I think of weary, I think of this video that uh, Sports Center uh, showed many years ago. Maybe some of you saw it. It's of a high school girl named Holland running in the state track meet in California. She's getting close to the finish line. She can see the finish line. But she starts losing steam. I don't know if she didn't drink enough water or got Uh, Sick, But she just collapses only a few yards from the finish line. One of the officials came over. He couldn't help her or assist her. And he tells her that if you finish, your team wins the state championship. If you don't, you get disqualified and your team loses. And what happened next is one of those images that just gets seared in your mind. You never forget it. She gets up on her hands and knees and she starts crawling. And she literally crawls across the finish line. That's weary, but not given up. The song, O Holy Night, says, fall on your knees, hear the angel voices. And I think some of us are falling on our knees this Christmas, not because we're hearing the angel voices, but because we're tired and exhausted and weary. And maybe you feel like you're crawling into Christmas. You know, we thought 2021 would be a lot better than... 2020, and it is a little bit uh, better. We're not afraid of running out of toilet paper this year, like we were uh, last year. Praise God! But it's not really that much different. And maybe, maybe you feel like you're crawling into Christmas and into the new year. And that's why some of you are going to think that I'm crazy because I'm going to talk to you today about this word right here, joy. Some of you are going seriously, Ben. You're going to talk about joy. You know what kind of year, really two years I've had? And I get that, but, but listen, you know, maybe that's why we need to talk about joy because of everything that's going on. You know, our problems don't have to ruin Christmas. They can actually remind us of the joy that Christmas means. Now, when I say joy, I don't mean happiness. I mean, you know, if you ask people, you know, what do you want in life? Most people are going to say happiness. Happiness is good. But today I want to show you that joy Is even better. It's interesting. In the Bible, happiness gets mentioned a handful of times, about 27 times, but joy gets mentioned over 300 times. God places much more value on joy because he knows it's better for us. Happiness depends on what happens to us, it's external, it's outside in. Joy is internal, it's inside out, and that's why you can have joy regardless of your circumstances. Take a look at this verse written by the Apostle Paul. In all our troubles, he says, my joy knows no bounds. That's not a misprint. Paul says, my life has a lot of difficulty, but it has not affected my joy. His joy knows no bounds and does not stop because of problems or troubles. Problems can take your happiness away. Troubles can take your happiness away. Away, tragedies can take your happiness away, people can take your happiness away. But when you accept the Christmas story into your life, nothing can take away your joy. Did you know God cares so much about your level of joy that He actually commands us to be joyful? Look at this verse in Philippians chapter 4. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, does that mean that you walk around, you always walk around with a shallow, cheesy Christian grin, you know, on your, on your face? Or no, does that mean that you just ignore the pain and the problems in the world? Does it mean that when people see you and ask you how you're doing, does that mean you always respond, too, too blessed to be depressed? No, uh, thank goodness you don't have to respond uh, and say that uh, to them. Sadness and sorrow are real emotions. And uh, we need to embrace them, but you can have joy in the midst of them. You can make the choice to rejoice. And God cares so much about your joy level. Look at this, that he actually repeats the command. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. But here's the good news. God doesn't just say rejoice. He provides the joy. You don't have to muster up joy. God gives it to you. I read this, I read this story about a 90-year-old woman named Marie. And Marie uh, thought, decided because of her age that it would be too difficult for her to go out and shop and buy gifts for her kids and grandkids for Christmas. And so she thought, you know what, I'm going I'm to uh, write some checks, put them in a card, and uh, I'm going I'm to write in the card uh, buy your own gift and give them my kids and grandkids. And that's what she did. She had a stress-free Christmas. She had a wonderful Christmas. But then after Christmas, she cleaned out her uh, drawer And underneath a stack of papers, she found the checks, the checks she forgot to put in the cards to her kids and grandkids. So she had sent them a card that said, buy your own gifts, no money included. Just buy your own gifts. God doesn't just say rejoice. He includes the check. God says rejoice, and he gives you the joy. Take a look at what he did to give us joy. And lying in a, in a manger. And so while the shepherds watched over their sheep that, that night of the first Christmas, an angel appeared to them and said, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news it will cause great joy for all the people. I want you to notice something. The joy that Jesus brings, it, it, it's not just joy, it's great joy. It's mega joy that's far better than happiness. And this great joy is for all. I love the way that the lyrics of O Holy Night describe who this joy is for and what it looks like to live it out. I already touched on the first line, the weary world rejoices. I I did a little study on the word weary to try to find the difference between being weary and being tired. Sometimes emojis help us understand different emotions. And so here's the emoji for sleepy, sleepy. And then here's the uh, tired emoji. If you Google uh, weary emoji, yeah, that's what you find right there. And I think that's how many of us feel this Christmas. We're not just tired, we're weary, like we, like we can't do some things for much longer. And that's the way the shepherds felt that first uh, Christmas. They lived in, in poverty, under harsh Roman oppression. They had a dirty job. They... Uh, lived with the animals, ate with the animals, slept with the animals. They, they smelled like the animals. Uh, they, um, they, they felt bored working as a, as a shepherd. They, it was a very unexciting kind of job. Maybe once in a while they'd chase off a wild animal or hunt down one of the sheep. But, but most of the time, shepherds felt bored. When, when you go to the zoo and people go to the zoo, I mean, people want to see the lions, the tigers, the monkeys. Nobody goes to watch the boring sheep, and on top of that, the shepherds had to stay up all night watching their sheep. Some of you know what it's like to work all night. Some of you know what it's like to feel weary about your job. Researchers say that right now in America, more people than ever before feel bored, dissatisfied, and stressed out about their uh, job. Maybe you feel exhausted because the workforce is low and and maybe you're having to do extra work. Maybe you feel like you're doing two jobs right now. Maybe you're a business owner and you feel stressed out trying to find people to hire and go to work. Maybe you're thinking about quitting and finding a new job. Sometimes it's good for us to change jobs. Maybe that would be a positive change for you in the future. But that's not always the best option. I want to show you something in this story. Do you know what the shepherds did right after the day after the first Christmas? Uh, They didn't quit their jobs or write a book or go on the lecture circuit. Look at what it says. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They returned to their work as, as shepherds. But the good news that brings great joy energized them. And forever change them. The shepherds show us that you can have great joy in your life through knowing Jesus that breaks through the weariness and the boredom and the stress, and it will revitalize you and it will satisfy you in ways you never dreamed possible in your current situation, in your current job. Joy can improve your job satisfaction. Take a look at another line from O Holy Night. I love this line. It says, He appeared and the soul felt its worth. And so Jesus doesn't just bring joy to the weary, He brings joy to those who feel worthless. And some of us really need to hear this today. This is why so many people struggle with worry and anxiety. And Jesus makes a connection between these two, worry and worth. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. He said, look at the birds of the air. Doesn't your heavenly father take care of the birds? And so surely if the father takes care of the birds, he'll take care of you. Because aren't you what? Worth more than they. Jesus says, if you understood how much worth you have to God, you wouldn't, you wouldn't worry. You wouldn't feel anxious. You would know that God sees you and notices you, and he's got a plan and a purpose for your future. I love what God did to prove the worth of the shepherds on that first Christmas. God not only sent an angel to announce the birth of Jesus, the biggest breaking news story in the history of our world, to the shepherds first. Think about this. God also wanted those shepherds to come and meet his newborn son. I mean, you don't just invite anybody to meet your newborn child, right? I mean, those of you that are parents, think about it. Who did you invite to the hospital to meet your, 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 your baby and to hold your baby? People that you trust and love, right? You don't just invite anybody. I remember a couple years ago, our granddaughter Emily was born, and just a few of us, family members, got to come to the hospital and meet little Emily and hold her. I cannot imagine strangers showing up and, uh, you know, welcoming them into the room and letting them meet little baby Emily, maybe even letting, letting them hold Emily. But that's what God did. God proved the worth of the shepherds. He makes a statement about the worth of the shepherds. And if God is for the shepherds, he is for you. His birth is proof of your worth. Many people think our behavior is determined uh, or, or, or that our behavior determines our value. And so if we do good things, we've got more value. If we do bad things, yeah, we've got less value. But his birth, his birth proves your worth just as you are. God knows everything about you. He sees He sees every flaw, every sin, every failure. And he says, you've got so much worth. I sent my one and only son to forgive all your sins and to give you a brand new future. That's why you can make the choice to rejoice. In the original language, the word for joy, here's what it means. It means to delight in God's grace, to delight in God's gift, in God's forgiveness. And that's why joy is so much better than happiness. I want to show you one more line from O Holy Night. This is from verse 2. It says, To our weakness, he's no stranger. And So Jesus brings joy, not just to the weary, not just to the worthless, but to the weak. Scripture says that Jesus sympathizes with us in our weaknesses because he knows what it's like to endure pain and suffering. And so you don't have to wonder if he uh, cares. You can have confidence that he's going to help you because he understands and he sympathizes. Some of us here, we need, to, we need to hear this verse today that says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Maybe at the end of this year, you're just struggling to make ends meet. You're struggling financially. And you should know Jesus understands and sympathizes. He lived his life in poverty, much of it homeless. Maybe you're going through a season of conflict in your family. Maybe you've got some division in your family and you don't know what to do. You should know that Jesus understands and sympathizes. When he began his ministry, his immediate family said he's lost his mind. Eventually they you know, came around and put their faith in him, but it took them a while. Maybe you feel like some friends let you down when you really needed them. Jesus understands. He sympathizes. His closest friends and followers abandoned and betrayed him when he was most vulnerable. That's why the song says, to our weakness, he is no stranger. You don't have to wonder if he cares. You can have confidence that he will will help you and bring you strength and joy in your weakness. I want you to hear from a woman in our church by the name of Colleen. Colleen went through a very difficult loss recently. Take a look.
1: My name's Colleen Brown, and I visit the River Glen here in Waukesha. I met my husband, Tim, in a bar. My first experience with him was not pleasant. <laughs> um, and I thought, wow, that guy's a real jerk. And by the end of the night, I had actually started talking to him and found him to be very funny and charming he was so giving of everything like he was just if you were hurting he was hurting and he wanted to help you He was the first one to reach out to you or to a friend I remember telling him I had this overwhelming feeling when you leave for work in the morning I don't care if you wake me up and I need you to like kiss me on the cheek so that I know that the very last thing that happened between us, it was love. I was always afraid that at three o'clock in the morning you're driving to work, maybe you're still tired. So that Monday morning, he kissed me on the cheek and he laughed, so we continued to do it for that week and that Friday morning, Friday the 13th, March of 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic, I was awake and I watched him walk around my side of the bed and I sat up and I was able to wrap my arms around his neck and kiss him and say I love you. Um, I fell back to sleep for a little while. With all that, I was kind of running a little bit late to get ready for work and I just about started to get ready for work and jump in the shower and there was a knock at my door. When I opened up the door, there was two police officers there. And they said that there was an accident at work. And I knew the answer to the question. You know, I said, is he okay? And they said, no, he died. I remember clearly saying to him, what if you get hurt or what if you were killed? What am I gonna do say I told you so? You won't be here and I'll have to do this all alone. And that all came rushing to me at that moment. And my oldest son, I left him messages and he finally got a hold of him and he said, What's going on? I said, I just need you to come home. And he said, Tell me what's going on. And I said, Lucas, do you really want me to tell you over the phone? He said, Yeah. And I said, There was an accident and dad was killed at work. I just kept thinking about the chaos that was there. And I talked to my counselor about it. And she said, well, can you, can you imagine Jesus there with him? And I said, yeah, I can. After that, my mom and I were going out, and I was telling her about it. She said, Colleen, she said, Tim's last breath here is his very first breath in heaven. Exactly two months before he passed away, on January 13th, I had off the following day. And usually when I have off of work, I do sleepovers with my mom. So I had a sleepover with my mom, and I got a text from him that I framed, and it says, "Love you. I'm in heaven right now. Heater, pizza, football. I am good." How I imagined my framed because that's how I imagined him now. Like, that's what got me through like those first that first year. I was like reading that, and it was a big change. It was so difficult because this was. Right at the beginning of the pandemic, and I knew that I couldn't do this on my own. I mean, Grief Share helped God's working through other people, which made me feel so much better because then I realized that's why I was in Grief Share and feeling that. And for the first time, I think that I was in Grief Share, and after Tim's death, I actually felt joy that day. So, that first, my first week actually back here. Physically, Ben had said they were going to be having the baptisms the following weekend and I just immediately knew that that was something I had to do. Tim and I always wanted to do it. I was so excited and it was a beautiful day. God seemed so far removed and now I feel so close to him. It's just overwhelming sometimes to feel that love, and oh, God has brought joy out of this. I was telling my grief share leaders about it. My other leader, Shirley, was talking about joy, and she said, think of joy as, like, the J is Jesus, though is others, and the Y is you, and it's not, you're just looking for God's help. God's working through other people. It makes you feel like, when I feel down, I think of those people. Um, And I think of God and how he put them in my life, in my journey, and where I'm at now, and I'm just beginning.
0: Let's give a hand to Colleen. I really appreciate her sharing her story. Just a heartbreaking loss right at the beginning of COVID. She had to wait several months to even have a funeral for her uh, husband and It is just so good to see her smiling and and full of life and getting baptized and and having joy. But it didn't just happen. Colleen took some steps, and she made some choices. She mentioned Grief Share. That's That's a group in our church that really helped her. By the way, if you'd like to find out more about Grief Share, stop at the Connect Wall in the lobby. Colleen took some steps. And if Colleen can choose joy, if she can have joy... You can have joy, too. I want to invite you to participate with me a, a little bit. Would you repeat after me? I have a choice. I, have a choice. I, choose, to I choose to rejoice. One more time. I have a choice. I choose to rejoice. So how do we do that? How do we actually choose to rejoice? Well, you begin by taking next steps take a look at what the shepherds did after they heard the message of good news it says when the angels had left them and gone into heaven the shepherds said to one another let's go to bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the lord has told us about so they hurried off and found mary and joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger notice how the shepherds had this sense of urgency about their spiritual exploration it says they hurried off they had intentionality they said, let's go to Bethlehem and see for ourselves. I know that we've got many people who attend River Glen, especially at Christmas time, who have not made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you're not sure if you believe in God or believe the, the Bible. And we're delighted to have you here. Maybe you would call yourself a skeptic. Maybe you came with a family member or a friend and you would say, I don't believe in Jesus. That's just seasonal folklore. But I've but sometimes in conversations with skeptics. I've discovered that they've never personally investigated the evidence. You wouldn't want to just write off Christmas, would you, without an honest, personal exploration. God promises in his word to those who seek him sincerely that you will will find him. You'll find Jesus and great joy just like the shepherds. The shepherds heard the message of good news that holy night and immediately said, let's go to Bethlehem and check it out. Let's go to Bethlehem and see if this happened. I mean, are we we seeing things or did it really happen? And I believe God is is nudging you and encouraging you to take a next step like like the shepherds. God's got a next step for all of us. I want to invite everybody to come back January 1st and 2nd, we're going to begin a new series, really important series called Let's Talk About It. We are going to talk openly about mental and emotional health. I mean, this pandemic has caused a mental health pandemic in our country that's probably touched all of our families. And I think this would be a great next step for all of us. This would be a great series, too, to invite somebody uh, to come with you. Here's another next step. On Sunday, January 9th, you're invited to the welcome brunch at both campuses from 1030 to 1130. This is for new people to River Glen as well as anybody, doesn't matter how long you've attended, who wants to take a next step of faith and find out what we believe and our vision for the future and get answers to your questions. You get a, you get a, a, a free child care, free meal. We even give you a, a free T-shirt. It's a, it's a great deal. Don't miss it. You can sign up right now. You can use the welcome card in the seat back in front of you or take out your phone and scan the QR code and get signed up. And then in February, we launch Alpha Groups. Alpha is a safe place to explore answers to the big questions of life and faith. Alpha is a great place to invite your family and friends who have Big questions as well. If you'd like to find out more about Alpha, stop at the Connect wall in the lobby. Here's my question for you. On that first Christmas, God made a journey to you. How about you? Have you made your journey to God? I believe that for many of you here today, you're just 18 inches from Jesus. You're just 18 inches away from great joy. That's better than happiness. You're 18 inches from heaven you're 18 inches from experiencing christmas in all its fullness you're 18 inches from having your past forgiven and finding a new purpose for your future because 18 inches is the distance between intellectual knowledge about jesus and a deep conviction in your soul you want to know how you travel uh, those 18 inches it's two words two powerful words two words make all the difference in a courtroom not guilty Two words make all the difference in a wedding. I do. And if you want great joy from having a relationship with God who loves you and sent his son for you, these two words make all the difference. I believe. I believe that Jesus is exactly who the angel said. He is the Savior. He is Christ the Lord. Maybe some of you here today, maybe some of you watching, you're ready to take that step today if you're making a decision today to believe in jesus and begin following him let us know stop at the welcome center the connect wall let us know on the welcome card or the uh, qr code let us know so that we can send you some resources to help you and encourage you every time we uh, gather like this we also practice another next step called communion communion symbolizes what jesus has done for us to bring us Great joy. The the communion bread symbolizes his body. The juice represents his blood. Our communion's open to everyone who believes because Jesus came to bring great joy for all people. And so I'm gonna pray, and then you can go ahead and take communion during this next song. You just peel back the top layer and you'll find the bread, peel back that second layer, and you'll find the juice. And then later on, later during this song, the ushers. We'll begin lighting the candles. So let me go ahead and pray for us. God, thank you. Thank you for this incredible gift of joy that changes everything in our lives. God, thank you for not just uh, telling us to rejoice, but providing the joy by, by sending your one and only son into this world on Christmas. God, I know that everyone with us today is on a journey. I pray that we would have the courage the diligence like the shepherds to, to seek you and take our next step, knowing you promise that if we do, we will eventually find Jesus in great joy. God, we pause right now to remember and honor Jesus through communion because he grew up and went to a cross and gave his life so that we could go from living in in darkness, living in weariness, to living in joy to living in the light now and forever. And it's in his name I pray, amen.